0: isn't that beautiful guys there's something powerful about singing what you believe and you know there's going to be times in your life when the world's not going to make any sense all right there's going to be times in your life when storms are going to come there's going to be times in your life when you question some things and the older you get the more you realize you'll end up falling back on you know what this is what i believe i don't understand why this is happening but I believe in God eternal. I don't understand why this is happening, but I believe in the holy church. I don't understand why this is happening, but I believe Jesus is Lord. I don't understand why this is happening, but I'm gonna trust God and I believe in the holy trinity. I don't know why this is happening, but I'm gonna believe in the fellowship of the saints. I don't know why this is happening, but my hope is in heaven. Glory to God. That's the God we're here today to serve. That's That's the God that we're here to worship. So bring your problems and your troubles and your worries. God could handle them. Give them to the Lord. The Lord sees you. The Lord sees what's going on in your life, and he cares about you. He loves you. He wants you to know him fully. I believe God has a special word for someone today, guys. A really special word. I know I say that every week, but I, I, I mean it every week, and I mean it this weekend as well. If you're watching online, thanks for watching online. I want to encourage you to stay tuned the whole time and leave the bacon and eggs alone. They'll be all right. You're going to eat them later. But uh, I want to encourage everyone to just open up your heart to God. Open up your heart to God. You're breathing right now. Glory to God. God has a plan for your life. And let him have his way in your life. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. We love you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Because, Jesus, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm grateful God that you're the unchanging God. You're the same God who visited uh, Moses on that mountain and you're the same God who visited Abraham and you changed his name to Abraham. You're the same God who wrestled with Jacob and you're the same God who came to us in a manger. You're the same God who who went to the cross for us and, and you're the same God who sends your Holy Spirit that we could now experience and taste firsthand in our own life. Thank you. Thank you for the way you moved in this service. Thank you for the saints, the holy church. that has been going on for 2,000 years. Thank you. And some of us, Lord, need a special touch. Some of us might be sick right now, and I pray just a touch from you, Lord. One touch from you is enough. Some of us might be far from you, God. And again, I just pray one touch from you. Some of us might come here, Lord, with a heavy heart. Maybe we have a lot of problems that are going on in our life, God. We, we just cast our anxieties on you because you care for us. So we give it to you. We turn to you right now, Lord. Have your way in our heart. Give God permission to move in your heart. Tell him, God, open my heart. God, change my heart. Give God permission. And some of you, maybe you need to start off by saying, forgive me for my sins. Maybe that just start out there. Maybe you just want to go there and say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I want to turn to you right now with all of my heart. And Jesus, I invite you to be my heart, my my Lord, and Lord of my heart. Or maybe you need to say, I need to come back right now. Whatever it is, let's just turn to God together. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your mercy. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Before you sit down, turn to someone and just tell them God has a word for you, and then you can have a seat. So glad you guys are here. Glad you guys are here. <clears throat> Super excited about this this uh, message. So excited. Hey, Feed 5000 has been happening this week. Feed 5000. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, unfortunately, I haven't been able to be a part of all of it, that uh, I got under the weather a little bit, and I'm feeling better just battling a little uh, cough kind of thing that's lingering. <coughs> I hope that didn't happen all, all service. Um, just kind of started when I stopped and started talking. <coughs> well, I hope so, yeah. Um <coughs> Sorry guys, it's working working its way out. I haven't really um <coughs> well well. This uh this sermon, I'm really excited about it because it's uh normally when I work on sermons I work on them in advance and there it goes, it's gone. <coughs> I work on them in advance and I think it's gone. I right, work on advance, but um, this one was a little bit different, and uh, I, I thought about it, and I did something in this message that I haven't done in a while. Um, I re- was writing the message uh, throughout the week from my house, and uh, <clears throat> and right about um, on Thursday, no, it may have been on Friday, the Lord said, Reuben, I want you to go a different direction, and I highlighted it about 80% of my message, and I hit delete, and I uh, started writing again. But I I did that because I want to be sensitive to what the Lord wants to say, and that's what I want. I want the Lord's anointing all the time, and that's my prayer. So this message literally has been written since Friday afternoon, Yesterday, it's been—it's about a day and a half old. So I'm going to see what the baby looks like, just like you, for the first time when it's delivered. Uh, But I'm I'm expecting God to move in a special, special way, guys. I'm just expecting the Lord rerouted the message, and and I'm I'm curious to see what it looks like. So uh, be gentle. For those of you who critique sermons, would you be gentle? Um, Yeah, be gentle. Um, and thanks, uh, Feed 5000. I want to just, can we just put our hands together for everyone who's been involved with Feed 5000? <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you're uh, just joining us, we uh, we feed a bunch of people every single year. Uh, and Feed 5000 is a time when we feed over 20 schools in partnership with Feed for Hope. And we feed actually just over 6,000 People in 12, uh, 20, uh, 6,000 people in 25 or so public schools. So many of you have been part of it. Um, I, I got a picture of everyone who was here for assembly night. So if you weren't here, I know you weren't here because you're, you weren't in the picture. I'm just kidding with you. But um, I, I was so cool seeing everybody, so cool. And we had people who took time off of work to participate in this. So thank you so much to all of you. This church is amazing. This church has amazing ministry partners. I'm so grateful for all of you kind of thing. I thought about this message. I thought about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's coming up here and I can't believe it. Someone told me, "Um, hey, it's this Thursday. And I was like, what? It's this Thursday? (laughs) I had had no idea. And I like, yeah, I guess it is this Thursday, isn't it? But um, it kind of sinks up. And I thought about Thanksgiving and I thought, you know, Thanksgiving could be a, a challenging time especially if you're not around, if you're around family members that you're not used to sitting at the table with, you know what I mean? Or you're hanging out with someone and you had not seen them in a while. You know, you might have that creepy Uncle Willie, and you're hoping, I sure hope I'm not sitting by creepy Willie this year, or that Aunt Edna, who likes to squeeze your cheeks, and you're like, oh, Lord, I pray she doesn't get near me, or, or Scary Freddy, who doesn't, you know, you're thinking, oh, I don't want to talk to that guy, or, or grudge-carrying Greta, who likes to bring up the past. You know what I'm talking about? Do you have anyone like that? Or um, some of you might be thinking, I just hope it's a peaceful time, I hope it's a peaceful time. I think that's everyone's prayer. Well, I hope it's a peaceful time, but I thought about as we go into this and how sometimes family, um, we can be estranged a bit or not see family for a while. Um, my, my dad, uh, lives in San Antonio and he's in the hospital right now. I appreciate if you keep him in prayers going through a lot of physical stuff, but, um, his sister decided to visit, he has several sisters, and, and decided to visit him, and, and his sister showed up at the hospital to visit him, and, and went into the room, and his name is, is Ruben as well, and said, said, hello, I think she called him little brother, actually it was in Spanish, it was um, Ed, Edmani, Edmanito, that's it, right? Edmanito. So that's what she called him, and anyway, and uh, little, little brother, and then he looked at her and said, I, I, don't, I, I don't know who you are. So she was brokenhearted about that. She goes, I'm your sister. I'm your sister. And she, he said, I don't know who you are. So she left the room and went to the, to, the, to the nurse's desk and said, I just talked to my brother and he doesn't remember who I am. And she says, oh, he, he knows who you are. He knows who you are. And and then she said, he doesn't know who I am. Did something happen to his head? And and she said, oh, he's probably just playing with you. Go back in there. She goes back in there and she says, oh, little brother, it's me. I'm your your sister and I came here to visit you. I came here to help you. And And he said, well, you can get me a glass of water. And she said, okay, okay, I'll get you out. So she goes off and gets, some, goes and gets water and goes back and, and takes it to him. And, and she says, here's some water. She says, wow, your hair's gone, grown really long. I haven't seen you in a while. And she says, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how are things going? Good, good, good. So you don't remember me? No, I don't remember. You don't remember anything? And uh, you don't remember? No, I don't remember. So she leaves the room. She goes back to the nurse desk and says, he doesn't remember who I am. And then the nurse says, who's your brother, And he says, oh, it's such and such. She gave him a full name. And she was going to the wrong room the entire time, <laughs> visiting some guy, loving on some guy. And I thought... <laughs> Okay, how long has it been since they've seen each other? <laughs> and then I thought about Thanksgiving and I thought we might have that kind of same situation. And you're like, oh, you're my cousin. Okay, you're my aunt. Okay, oh, you're my... I haven't seen you around. Well, I'm glad you're here. You've been busy. Yep, everybody always says that. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? And I've just been busy. You know, we say those things all the time. And I, I thought about Thanksgiving and I thought, boy, you know, what's important for us It's a time for us to be grateful, isn't it? to be grateful. Some of us are more aware or more grateful than others. I like to say you have to have an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. And for some of us, you just walk around and you know what grateful people look like. They just recognize, oh, praise the Lord for the snow. Anybody excited about the snow? I'm excited about it. Thank God for the blue skies. Isn't that beautiful? Thank God for for the blue skies. Thank God that he takes care of us and watches over us and Birds in the air. I mean, I'm just at that silly level. That's where I'm at. Some of you might think, well, that's over the top, Ruben, um, but I believe it should be. A, what, I, what I felt like I needed to do th- this weekend was talk about the core of what it means to be a grateful person. What it means to be a grateful person. We're going into Thanksgiving week, and I thought this is such an uh, <coughs> excuse me appropriate message. Um, just comes up, everyone. All. Feel free to talk between each other if you want to do that. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, <coughs> Where's Nick at? Nick, can you come up here and read some scripture for me? Come on up here, brother. We're, we're, we're going get a mic. <coughs> He's going to read some scripture for me. <coughs> you want to stay up here like the entire sermon? I want you to read that Philippians 2. Be uh, nice and slow. Don't be
1: selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Hmm. You must have the same attitude <coughs> that Christ Jesus had.
0: Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Would you give him a hand? He just did so great with that. I'll call you back up in a little bit. I'll have probably some more, Nick, for you to read. I'll share it with Jeremy or something We'll have him come up and read some. <clears throat> um, I, I, you know, when you look at this, this passage, this chapter, it starts off with these relationship things. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but the interests of others. Do you see these relationship dynamics in this chapter right here? It's not about you need to have more faith or you need to believe or you need to spend more time with God. All those things may be true, but this passage this passage is about okay, so the the way you 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 manage your relationships with people matters. To God. The way you manage your relationships with other people matters to God. And in fact, it's actually a reflection of what is happening on the inside. That's where we're going. What's happening, your relationship with Jesus on the inside will affect your relationship with other people. Difficult people, challenging people. What, what do you do? What does it look like? You know, this, this passage is, 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 the idea is, is you must have this same attitude as Christ Jesus had. So the next question is, well, what kind of attitude do you have? What does that look like? I have a button I forgot about. I can do this. That's better than hacking all over the place. Oh, it's going to come again. Sorry. I appreciate it. I feel like I'm like an 85-year-old man preaching right now. <laughs> so the, 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 for where Paul, who wrote, is attributed to writing Philippians, where he's going at with this chapter is, okay, um, the way you treat others, the way you manage others, it has to do with your relationship with Jesus. And that's, that, that's where this attitude, attitude comes from. John Maxwell said this, <clears throat> the greatest day in your life and mine is when we take total responsibility for our attitudes. That's the day we truly grow up. Isn't that good? That's the day we truly grow up. Come on up here, Jeremy. i got some scripture for you to read, brother. (laughs) Um, This cough is just annoying, God. I'm sorry. So I want you to read... uh, We're going to read this again in a different version... Um, We're going to continue, actually, in the New Living, and then we're going to read it again in another version. Go ahead.
1: Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. N-A-S-B? All right, N-A-S-B. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men.
0: Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God, As something to cling to. No. All right, man. He asked me if I want to back rub. I'm like, no, not now. I don't want to back rub right now, Nick. It's kind of weird. (laughs) I'm all right. We're close. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something he clinged to. Cling to. That, that, verse, that, that, that verse gives me the idea of like Jesus is so secure in who he is. He's not holding on to status. You hear that? He's not holding on to status. He's not clinging to where he came from. He came from heaven. He's God in the flesh. And you see Jesus, you know, this whole thing was have the same kind of attitude that Jesus has. Your attitude needs to reflect the attitude of Jesus. Well, this is serious stuff. This is really for those who really want to live a God-honoring life. If you don't want to live a God-honoring life, you can just throw this in the trash can. It doesn't matter. But if you want to live a God-honoring life, and you want to know God's will for your life, and that's the heart, of, that's your heart, and this is, what, this, is what, this is what it looked like. In verse 7, in the New Living said, instead he gave up his divine privileges. Um but in the in the in the NASB it says something different. So the message series that we're in is called Empty. And I as I was looking at this passage, the Lord just showed it to me. The Lord showed me verse 7. And, and, and I'm gonna read, and this is like brand new. So the brand new title for this weekend is Before You Pass the Dressing, Empty Yourselves. Empty yourself. Before you pass the dressing empty yourself. Do you have tea for me? Are you serious? Look at my wife. Come on up here, baby. Look at my wife. You going to give me a kiss? Oh, no. You going to give no. me a kiss? No. Alright, you're going to pay for it tonight, baby. I'm just telling you. <laughs> See how you feel tonight? <laughs> bada bing, bada bum. Before you pass the dress and empty yourself, before you pass the dress and empty yourself. This is really an interesting sermon, guys. I'm sorry. Um, It's so good, though. Um, So if you feel feel far from God, you've been walking with God for a long time, whatever it is, um, this message is really for you. I want to go back to verse 7. It says, Jesus emptied himself. That's what it says, Jesus emptiness. Now remember, it started off with, you know, okay, if you have problems, if, if, you, if you want to have a better relationship with other people, if you want to, if you want to, if you struggle in relationships, if you do any of these things. In fact, if you read earlier in Philippians chapter 2, two it says if there's any division among you, any division. Oh, I got tea. Oh, wow. <laughs> there you go, baby. That's it. God bless her. She takes care of me. I, I, you know, she's probably one day going to be pushing me in a wheelchair. I got to be nice to her because she could leave me me in the middle of the parking lot or something like that. So I better be nice to her right now. That was good, baby. Thank you so much. Um, the word empty, I don't want to talk about that word. It's kenosis. That's what it is in the Greek language. It's, it's one of the most popular verses in Philippians, uh, kenosis. Um, it, this verb means to pour out everything until it's all gone. He poured out himself. He emptied himself, divested himself, rendered up. And the word kenosis means the self-emptying of one's will, one's own will, and becoming entirely receptive to God's divine will. That's what the word empty means. That's what it means. I think that's beautiful guys a picture of, okay, you want to, you really want, you want to have, some of you need an attitude adjustment. You really want to know what that looks like. You're really having challenges in relationships. You're having issues in your marriage and you're having issues with the kids or you're having issues at work or you're having issues yet relationship issues, or oh, we're getting down to the core of the core of the core of the core of the core. You got to empty yourself. You got to empty yourself if you really want to know God's will for your life, if you really want to see it clearly, you got to empty yourself. If you want to work through that relationship issue, you want to have a stronger marriage, you got to empty yourself. That's what Jesus is talking about here in Philippians chapter two, this word empty right here. He did not empty himself or he did not empty something from himself, but he emptied himself from something important distinction. He did not empty. He did not empty something from himself, but he emptied himself from something empty does not mean that Jesus gave up his divine attributes. He was like a King temporarily clothing himself in the garb of a peasant while still remaining king, even though it was not apparent. You ever see that TV show, Undercover Boss? I think about Undercover Boss when I look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. Because you see these high-level high CEOs or execs, and they go behind the counter, and they dress up, and they might even put on disguise. But they're still CEO. <clears throat> they're still president of you know, Domino's or whatever it is. Jesus is still the son of God. He's still the king of Kings. He's still the Lord of Lords. He was still God in the flesh. He chose to become a servant. Well, <clears throat> the opposite, the opposite of being empty is being full. Isn't it? This is really deep stuff hanging there with me. The opposite of being empty is being full. And, and, and I want to, I want to show you something here. I have a couple of things here and, and uh, all of us are are between you're you're either full or you're empty, or you might have a little bit in you, right? You may not be completely empty or you may not be completely full, but this is what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about, um, you could be full of yourself or you can live like this. Now, Jesus has been emptied. He chose to empty himself. And that's why he has a different kind of love. That's why he didn't cling on to his divine privileges. Instead, he emptied himself. And Jesus is saying, okay, here's the problem with your, the, the fights in the house. Here's the problem with the marriage. Here's the problem with, with that person who's argumentative. Here's the problem with the divisions. Here's the problem right here. It's one of you is full of yourself, and you need to you need to you need to be empty, and that's what Jesus is talking about. Him. And 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 uh, he shares a story. There's a short a story in Luke chapter 18 that describes that describes this. Um, Kaylee, come on up here. You're next. Uh, Luke chapter 18. Um, <clears throat> She doesn't, none of these people need this. So Um, this is a famous story involving a Pharisee and a tax collector. Uh, Go ahead, Kaylee. Thank you so much.
2: Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I am certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Kaylee. Can you give her a hand, guys, as well? <clears throat> She's a blessing. Um, <clears throat> so you have this this picture. You have a Pharisee and a tax collector. So you have these two guys that show up. Little history about tax collectors. They were they were known to backstab their own countrymen. That's what they did. They were typically Jews. And they would hike up the tax rate and they would rob from their fellow countrymen and they would give to, to, to Rome and, and uh, they were not loved. They were hated. They were despised. They were worse than sinners. They were worse than prostitutes in this story. (coughs) The tax collector is the hero. The tax collector is the hero. Pharisees are, are known to be spiritual hypocrites not all, Nicodemus wasn't, but many. But they're known to know God's word. They've memorized the old, mention of the Old Testament, the Torah, first, <clears throat> first five books of the Bible. They understand it. They know it. And in fact, they would wear, even their costume, so to speak, would be evidence of how much they knew about God. They prided themselves with how knowledgeable they were of God. They prided themselves with how many Bible stories they know. They prided themselves with how many verses they memorized. And they would intimidate people with their knowledge of scripture. They would intimidate people with how much of they, they knew about God. And these are the two characters in, the, in this story. You have that tax collector who, uh, according to this story, he's beaten on his chest. And he's saying, "I'm just a sinner. I'm I'm just a sinner. Who am I?" And then you have this Pharisee who knows Scripture, who grew up in the church. Hello. And he's saying, "You know what? I'm just glad I'm not like the other guy." The Pharisee is full of himself. Hear this: God is fully aware of the real attitude of your heart, in spite of what you keep telling yourself and others. He's fully aware. He's fully aware. That we could say whatever we want to say, and we could even tell people the right things. But God knows how you really feel inside, inside of your heart. This Pharisee he says in verse 11, he says, I, I thank you. you know what, Guys, let's read this out loud. Help me out. Go ahead. I thank you. But I'm not like other people. <laughs> now, when I look at this, he, he's actually praying at church. He's praying at church. He's praying at church. And he start, his prayer starts off really well. I thank you, God. We're doing good, aren't we? But then it just kind of goes off the rails that I'm not like, a, like other people. All of a sudden, he starts comparing himself to other people in church. And he starts rattling off this one guy who's, who's a tax collector, like other people, you know, cheaters and sinners and adult and adulterers. So the first thing I see is this, you can start your prayers right and end your prayer wrong. You know that you can start your prayer, right? And it can go off the rails. You did so well. And somewhere in the prayer, you just started looking at yourself. Somewhere in the prayer, you started getting a little full of yourself a little bit. Here, as even in your prayer, it's interesting how 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 our, our we we can even justify ourselves even in our spiritual lives. What do you think God's thinking when He's like, got you know? He's saying, "I thank you, God, that that I'm not anything like like that other guy." God's, you think God's like, okay, I was listening to you, and it sounded really great until you got to that part. It sounded really great until you got to that part. And I want to say this also. It's easier to give God a report of other people's sins. It's harder to take responsibility for your own sins. It's always easier to look and say, boy, they've got this issue and they've got this issue. And <clears throat> here's their problem. They don't do this and they don't do this and they don't do this. Here's their problem. And, and we can look at it and we can label maybe sins We can do that, but there's other types of sins that we might not call sins, but we might say something like, oh, look at them, and they're not responsible. Do you see that? They're not responsible. Look at them. They never communicate with me. They never communicate with me. Have you ever run across people who say things about other people, and you're thinking, that's your problem too? Have you ever heard that? And you just listen to them, and they say, boy, that person's always running late, and you're like... You know what I mean? That person never communicates. And you're like, you know, <laughs> that person, yeah, you can never count on that person. And you're like, that's you, man. What are you saying? And they're blind. They're blind. They only see the faults in others. And they don't see the faults in themselves. They always renate, Or they can be so mean. They can be so mean. And you're thinking, gosh, you have a tongue also? you have a tongue also, I've heard you. They're blind, they're like this Pharisee that says, I'm so glad, I'm so glad, I'm so glad. And you wanna say, why, how can you be so mean? Uh, Taylor Swift. So uh, anybody get Taylor Swift tickets? Um, we have 500 Taylor Swift tickets that we're going to give out for $10 each, guys. So if you bring someone to church, we'll give you a ticket. Just email us at jeremy.lion@thorncreekchurch, <laughs> and he will make sure to get those tickets to you. So <clears throat> he will find tickets for you. Um, <clears throat> then this guy says this. I fast. He's going to love me for that. I, was gonna, I wonder how many bird lines. You're going to get like a 1,000 emails this week, Jeremy. <laughs> you better find tickets for everyone. Um, <clears throat> that's a hot ticket, guys. In July, that's a hot ticket. Uh, wish church was that hot. Verse 12, um, he said, I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. He's still in his prayer. He's like bragging about himself to God in the middle of his prayer. Just in case, God, you're not aware of this, I'm a pretty righteous dude. Just in case you're not aware of this, God, I've been doing this, and I do these things, and I give, and, and just so you know, this is what I've done. And the other thing you learn from this is you can do godly things and be full of the wrong things. You can do godly things and be full of the wrong things, Have you ever been to someone who goes to church and does all the right things? It seems like they do all the right things, but the wrong things come out of them. Verse 13 says, but the tax collector, here's the tax collector. He stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Couldn't even look up. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, what did he say, church? Read it out loud. amen. That's what he did. Beat his chest. So different from, from the prayer of the Pharisee. The Pharisee compared himself to others and elevated himself and, 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 and was full of himself. And, and, and this is really where he's at. He's full of himself. But the, but the tax collector beats his chest and he says, be merciful to me, God. Be merciful to me for I am a sinner. Be merciful to me. Hear this. Repentant prayers always tug God's heart. If you want to know how to get God's attention, turn from your sins. Turn from your sins. Humble yourself. He you will not reject a broken and contrite heart. Turn from your sins. Turn to God. Ask for forgiveness. That's how God, that's how you'll get God's attention. That's how you'll get God's attention. Prayer is great. But did you know more prayer is not necessarily the answer? You want to know where the power of prayer is? It starts with repentance. You repent first. If my people who call who know, who know me call my name and turn from their wicked ways. There it is. Turn from their wicked ways. Then he will here he will heal. Turn from your wicked ways. We have people here at this church who've learned the joy of the forgiveness of God. I talk to people every weekend who talk to me about how they hadn't gone to church in a long time and they started coming here, and they're learning what it looks like to now walk with God. It's so encouraging, guys. Um, <clears throat> I, have a, I have this front row seat to what God is doing. And I'm so humbled by that. Um, Psalm 86 says this, <clears throat> you have to have the right perspective of God. But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. That's your God. That's who God is. A God who's, who's full of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry now you keep that in mind and as you as you, if you live this life right here, this is who you are, this is who you'll be. God will be. and another way to look at this is, is if you don't if, if you're not this. I mean God wants you to be empty, so he can fill you. And if you're full of yourself, there's no room for God. If you're full of yourself there's no room for God. but God wants you to be empty. God is so good. Psalm chapter 86 says, oh Lord. You are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Some of you, you need to ask God for help. You came to church and you're going through a hard time. You're watching this video. You're going through a hard time. And you need to ask God for help. Humble yourself before God. Humble yourself. God knows whether you truly humble yourself. Genuinely repent. It's a soft spot for God. It's a soft spot. <clears throat> it's a soft spot when someone turns from their sins and repents and asks for help. It's a soft spot. And then verse uh, Psalm thirty-four says this: "Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him." Taste and see that the Lord is good. Isn't that a great verse? Taste and see. That the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see. <laughs> back in, uh, I got some tea. You want some tea? It's funny. I heard someone coughing. <laughs> I'll share my tea. Mm. Oh, thank you. Um, back in March, I, I had this battle with uh, shingles and it affected two nerves and I had complete paralysis on the right side of my face. Couldn't smile couldn't smile and uh it was just a very humbling situation and you guys were so incredibly loving and caring and and I remember coming out for the first time and the applause and it was really nice I wish you guys would do that every time I came on stage but uh it was really really just I felt the love I felt the love and I'll just tell you something that happened this week um one of the last things that still hadn't recovered is my right eye I always feel like I have a stick in my right eye It just always feels like that so I, I carry around eye drops with me all the time just to like moisten it because my right eye was just slow. But uh, last uh, men's night, I decided to open up to the men and I hadn't shared this from the stage. And I said, hey, man, would you guys just do me a favor and pray about this? Sometimes there's things that I feel like are, we might think they're small and they're no big deal. And I don't want to burden you to pray for me because I'll just live with it. I don't, you you have enough stuff on your mind and I'm not going to share that with you. And and we might even not say, I'm not even going to pray about it. It's just, but this time I thought, you know what, I'm going to share this because it's super annoying and I'm tired and I've been telling God, God, don't forget me. Don't forget to heal me 100%. That's what my prayer has been. You know, I, I don't. Don't forget, God. He's been doing so good, healing me, and He's so good. And I, I, I was like, so I shared with a man, Hey, man, would you pray for me because my right eye is just, you know, it still feels like a stick, and I'm always carrying around. And every time I preach, I know you can't see it from out there, but from inside here, I feel it all the time. And I shared that with him on Men's Night, and just a few days, and it happened this last week. When when I was feeling under the weather, something happened. My right eye started feeling different. And I told Grace, Grace, something's happening. I don't know what's happening. It feels different. And, And all of a sudden, let me tell you what happened this week. My right eye, all of a sudden, was able to close properly for the first time in nine months. Drops, baby. I have no eye drops in my pocket. I was—I uh, went like for the last three days. Like I only put it in a couple of times, but that's a big deal. I was putting them in like every three hours, two hours. I was putting them in for my right eye, and I, I see that. And you know what I think about? God is so good. God is so good. Hasn't God been good in your life? He loves you so much, all the way down to your ability to blink. He cares about you. The details of your life. Verse 14 said this I tell you, the sinner, that's the tax collector, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Justified, just as if never sinned. I thought about this phrase for those who exalt themselves, will be humbled you know anyone who's full of themselves they exalt themselves they want you to know how important they are they want you to know about their accomplishments they want you to know how much they know they want you to know that you can't teach a lot of things to this person right here they're full of themselves and in fact it's hard to be in a relationship with someone like this isn't it eventually what they do is they surround themselves with people who are willing to bow down to their ego that's what will happen with these people they need they need that kind of attention yeah they're very self-centered people self-centered you can't teach them anything and that's 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 where they live they have a hard time forgiving others too they hold on to grudges they hold on to grudges, resentful, bitter, all of those things. They're full of themselves. They see the faults in other people really easily. They see, they see that. They, they, they have a hard time seeing themselves. It's one of the oldest tricks of the devil. Those who exalt themselves. Well, what did the devil try to do in heaven? He tried to exalt himself, didn't he? That's what Lucifer did. He wanted to exalt himself. And scripture says God kicked him out of heaven. One third of the angels went with him. But he tried to exalt himself. So it's really an old trick. He wants you to exalt yourself. That's called pride. He wants you to exalt yourself. You're so important. You know what? You know so much. He wants you to exalt. And he wants you to just puff yourself up. James says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God is is turned away from people who exalt themselves. The only thing that changes is if this person repents. That's when God will hear this prayer. But as long as they're full of themselves and full of pride, and this passage, incidentally, is telling us something else, you can grow up in the church and be full of yourself. You can call yourself a Christian and be full of yourself. You can memorize the first five books of the Bible and be full of yourself. I mean, that was the Pharisee. They knew scripture. They knew how to teach classes and Bible studies and Sunday schools and teach from a stage. They knew all that. You can grow up in the church and be full of yourself. And you see this relationship that happens between this Pharisee and a tax collector. And I want to say this, how we walk with the broken speaks louder than how we sit with the great. How we walk with the broken. You know, the broken, when they come to church, and I hear it all the time, people who are just going through hard times in their life is, you know, someone told me recently, man, my life's a mess. And he started rattling all these things happening in his family and his ex and, and work and job and, Thanksgiving, Whatever it is. I mean, literally there, you can just click, 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 click all the way down. And you know what he said? But boy, I feel so good when I come to this church. Isn't that beautiful? That's a sign of a healthy church. The broken feel comfortable being here. Glory to God. We don't have the same attitude of that Pharisee and look down at that person. Have you ever been to a church where you feel like people are looking down on you because of the way... You look or whatever it is, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what. It feels a little bit more like a club, doesn't it? It Feels a little bit more like that. But how you walk with the broken, they want, they need love, guys. We all need the grace of God. Verse fourteen says, "Those who humble themselves will be exalted." Those who humble themselves. (laughs) Baby, this is so good. There's this crazy thing happens. When you humble yourself and you say, okay, I'm going to empty myself out. I'm going to repent. And I want God to have his way in my life. You know, what's cool. You now are usable for God. You're now moldable for God. And now God's going to promote you and do things with you that you never would have experienced if you would have stayed like this. You see that? This is the core of thanksgiving right here. This is the core of an attitude of gratitude right here. This is the core of loving others. This is the core of of showing mercy to others. It's the core of being Christ, being Christ-like. And and the scripture tells us that those who humble themselves will be exalted. Truly humble people are humble. Truly empty people are humble people. And gratitude is in their nature. Peter says, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. That he may lift you up in due time. The Lord showed me this verse when I was going to uh, Bible college back in Colorado Springs. Way back, I was at a conference with one of my professors who taught doctrine of holiness, and he wanted me to go with him to St. Louis. And there was this conference called Small Church Institute. Small Church Institute. And there was probably, I don't know, maybe 150 pastors from across the nation that gathered together. And all these pastors were pastors of churches, 100 or less, smaller. smaller. And I remember uh, talking to one of them and, uh, at the conference, and I remember him telling me that he'd never rode on an airplane before. And this was his first time on an airplane, the guy was in his 30s, maybe even 40s, I don't know. But he had never ridden on an airplane. I was listening to them. And I, I heard some other saying, oh, they work another job. And they have another job. And they're also a pastor. And, and I heard them talk like that. And I saw this, this um, you know, when you're around people who have humble circumstances, there's a sweetness about them. Just a, just a sweet spirit about those people. They, they, they're not full of themselves. So there's not a lot of resume sharing going on they just are humble sweet people and i remember i remember there was part of me that wanted to say oh this is your first time on the airplane i've been on an airplane you know however many times with pastors and i held on to my tongue i didn't share anything and the lord just wanted me to listen and i went to my room my hotel room and the lord showed me this verse Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And then it dawned on me, <clears throat> under the eyes of God, these pastors are greater than other people that we applaud. Under the eyes of God, these pastors are heroes. And some, so many times, we worship the wrong people. We worship the wrong people. You shouldn't worship anyone. But we give, we give too much praise to someone when really that person who's walking humbly deserves all of it. First Chronicles says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Isn't that good? His faithful love endures forever. Um, we're going to be at the Renaissance tomorrow on Sunday. And it's going to be right after, I believe it's at two o'clock. Is that right? Two o'clock, we're going to be at the Renaissance. And everyone's invited. And we're going to walk around and we're going to be feeding people who have very humble circumstances. We're going to be loving on them in the name of Jesus. It's me. We're going to be loving on people in the name of Jesus. And this is an opportunity for us to just love. Just love. I want to say this also, If, if, if I, I, we went deep today, guys. We talked about the core of what it means to be Christ-like, the core of kenosis, what it means to have this attitude, what it means to love someone who's unlovable, what it means to not be in fights and divisions, quarrels, what it looks like, and how it's possible to live in a state of gratitude all the time. Maybe there's someone in your life, which one are you? Are you more full than empty? Which one are you? Which one are you? There's this incredible freedom that comes with being empty. There's this incredible freedom. I have no one to please. I've got no one I've got to impress. I just want to impress Jesus. I want to impress God. But it comes only after repentance. It comes only after repentance. Only after repentance. So I want to say some of you need to take care of this. You came to church and maybe you're a little bit more like that Pharisee than you care to admit. Maybe you're a little bit more like that. And I don't know how much you're full of yourself, but some of you might be quite a bit full of yourself. And and you become content with that. You've learned to live like that. And you can spit out verses and you can spit out, you know, Bible stories and you can do all that, but you're full of yourself. And God's waiting for you to humble yourself and repent. And he wants you to be empty. You know, when you know you're at this place where it's empty, it's no longer about you. You care about others. You don't have to have your way. It's okay. You don't have to have your way. And you're at this place where you just recognize it's not about you. Jesus came with this kind of attitude. He came with this kind of attitude. And this is the attitude that he took that led him, that fueled him to go to the cross for you and for me. It was this attitude. That's why he was able to do it. He was able to live like this for those the the whole time while he was on this earth. But it was this kind of attitude that led him to Golgotha. It was that kind of attitude. So I want to give you an opportunity right where you're at to turn to God. Turn to Him. If you need to ask God for forgiveness, ask Him for forgiveness and get right with Him. Do that. And I want to encourage you to just just don't be like that, that Pharisee that said, Oh, I am better than everyone else around me. I'm just a little bit better than everyone else. Don't be like that Pharisee that can point out every, everyone else's issues but not yourself. Don't be like that Pharisee. Instead, be like that tax collector. Oh, God. I can't even look up. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. You're so good, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for uh, your mercy. Now, I want to start off, Lord, by... Just just um, following the example of, of that tax collector in which you uh, forgive. And maybe this is your prayer. Say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Maybe that's your prayer. I repent right now. I turn from my sin. And I want to get right with you. Maybe you're you're a little bit more like that Pharisee than you care to admit, and it's really easy for you to point out faults in others. Maybe you need to say, God, have mercy on me. I'm full of myself. And today I'm going to pour myself out before you. I'm going to pour myself out. And I want you. So have your way. Have your way, change me, change me. I pray that it's reflected in the relationships that I have. I pray other people can see that something happened inside of me. So have your way, God. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. And I pray also, Lord, for our time at uh, the Renaissance tomorrow. Give us good weather, I pray. I pray that we have incredible encounters with people. Give us the privilege of praying for your souls, with your souls. I pray all of us have just a moment with your presence, God. Thank you for this great church. Thank you, Lord, for those who give so faithfully, Lord. They honor you with themselves first and then they honor you with their finances. I pray, Lord, that you show up as the God who provides for them. Show them, provide for them, God, as they honor you, sacrificially even. So bless them. Thank you, Lord, for the way you're moving in this church. Thank you for bringing souls here who need the grace of God. Thank you for entrusting us with your work. Thank you. We want to be good stewards of your grace. So thank you, Lord, for your sweet presence. Thank you for helping me preach this message. Thank you for your healing touch. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.